2: Everyone to Jumping Bomb Audio, a podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Taylor
1: Mainberg. How are you doing, Taylor? Good. I'm uh, excited. We have a lot of big-time shows to talk about this week, Uh, a a lot to go through. Um, As I said last time we recorded, Joshi is definitely back in the swing of things, and now we're in August when all the exciting tournament action in Joshi happens.
2: This feels quite a bit different than like, well, let's talk about two stardom shows from 2011.
1: (laughs) It was funny because I was watching, and we'll talk about it in a second, the Ice Ribbon show last night. And it was the first time in a while. I couldn't even remember what the last time was where I was like, ooh, I'm watching a really big show. And I have that sort of like, this is a big show excitement. I'm watching something live. You know, it's happening right now as opposed to, you know... Some of these stardom shows have been very big, but because of their upload schedule, it can feel a little bit weird when you're watching, you know, you're watching one match and then two days later, maybe you're watching two or three more matches. But to sit down and watch a full show, a big, meaningful show with a lot of title matches, as we'll talk about, was very, very exciting. So definitely we're, we're back in it. Um, and it's pretty thrilling to me. I agree. If you want to tell us
2: what is thrilling to you about Joshi, folks, come on now. Hit us up on Twitter at JBombAudio. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor is at Tay Mambo. You can subscribe to the show. Please do. So you get these podcasts as soon as they come out, usually on Mondays. Well, always on Mondays to this point anyway. Hopefully forever on Mondays. Give us a five-star rating and a review if you are using the Apple Podcast app so that other people can Find this podcast if they're just out there looking for a Joshi podcast. If you want to support the show, you can go to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio and make a donation. Uh, Taylor, you, you're you always doing guest spots. Uh, you're going to be on or you have been on the yeah, quiz night I was, show?
1: I was on uh, on Saturday evening. Uh, I was on Voices of Wrestling quiz night. Um, which is a wrestling quiz show h- hosted by Robin Reed. Um, I had a great time. Um, it's up on, you can see it on Twitch, um, or you can find it on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, as a little, I'll, I'll give a little tease in that I. Uh, got a stardom question wrong (laughs) later in the show got a lucha question and lucha i know very little about uh i nailed a very very tricky lucha question with a total guess so really i was like well didn't get the stardom question should have known the stardom question and didn't get it didn't know the lucha question and got it so that's my little tease it's only about um, I think the whole thing is about an hour. It's me, Andrew Rich, and Gerard from Voices of Wrestling. So it's a fun time. We had a great time. Um, uh, My second appearance, always fun being on that show. So check that out.
2: Okay. Well, here's what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to be talking about the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. Of course, night one and night two have already occurred. We'll talk about those. The Tokyo Joshi Pro <laughs> Princess Cup. A lot of similar sounds in that. Uh, two nights have already happened of that. We're going to talk about both of those shows. As Taylor mentioned, we're going to talk about the Ice Ribbon Yokohama Bunkai Final. And we got some news. we got a bunch of other shows that we're going to go over quickly in our Spark Notes section. And, of course, we will tell you about uh, the big shows that are coming up over the next couple of weeks in between our episodes. We're going to get started with Stardom's five-star Grand Prix. Did we say much about like
1: the the five star generally on last episode? I don't think we did, right? Well, the whole thing was at the at the moment, all they had announced was the people who were in it. They hadn't announced the blocks. I think they announced the blocks either very shortly or maybe the day after we recorded. So the only thing we really talked about was who was in it sort of generally any surprises we had. You know, we talked about Sayida who wasn't in it at the time. But is now in it um, because Saki Kashima dropped out. But yeah, it was just general because we didn't have the block, so it was a little bit difficult for us to sort of talk about what we thought would happen without knowing who was in what block.
2: Gotcha. Well, we should I guess we should quickly just say, like for people who are new to stardom, we should describe the five-star Grand Prix a little bit, I think. So it's sure. kinda it's kinda it's a it's a league. It's like the G1 if you're in New Japan. It's similar to the G1. It's just like a round robin league. Uh, You wrestle everybody in your group two blocks, and the person who scores the most points, you get two points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a loss. The person with the most points in the red block faces the person with the most points in the blue block in the finals. The winner then gets a, a title shot, and I think this is different from the Cinderella tournament in that generally, well not only is it a single elimination versus a league, but generally I think the, the five star winner is already an established top of the card person and the, the Cinderella tournament
1: is more like an elevation, I feel like. Do you agree with that, Taylor? Yeah, this is sort of a major this is their big major tournament. So it's it's very fairly unlikely that you'll get sort of a lower card surprising Result, it usually comes down to people who are either already established or are getting very heavy pushes. Right. So that's basically
2: the idea. It goes over what the next month and a half or so. Uh, the biggest you you kind of alluded to this, but the biggest frustration, stardom wise, is that they upload the shows so slowly, so you really don't get to watch it in real time. It's it's particularly frustrating for me. I'm I'm doing. Uh daily audio updates on the five star on the Everything Elite Patreon. And it's like, wait, should I wait until all of night one is up? Or should I just like whatever they did that day? Should I just do audio about that? So anyway. OK, so before we get into the first two nights of the tournament, let's kind of look at the blocks and talk about who we think might win this whole thing. So I've got some pretty specific thoughts on who might win. So I want to hear yours first, Taylor, in case I feel dumb after yours and want to change my own picks.
1: Great. Uh, (laughs) So do we want to start with red or blue? Uh, Let's start with red. Okay. Well, so, I mean, personally, looking at the block, and, you know, now at this point, we know one or two results for everyone. So it is a little bit, you know, We are cheating a little bit here, although things could change. But to me, the three people who probably can win it in the red block are Maya, Julia, and Himika. Now, of course, we now know that Himika has a win over Julia, um, which happened today slash, yeah, today. Um, So she's probably at or near the top. You know, Mayu is always a factor because she's – the quote unquote ace of the promotion, but the fact that she's already a title holder, you know, she doesn't need a big push into a title opportunity or something like that. So, and Julia is sort of the same. So, to me, Himika seems like the most obvious pick in this block. I mean, I guess maybe you could get Konami in there, get her some victories. But other than that, I think most of the rest of the block are people who I would struggle to see winning as people, as I mentioned, as either someone who's already established or has some sort of record of getting a big push in the company.
2: Yeah, so I think something that often happens in Five Star is that the the block winner who's opposite your person who's going to win the tournament is often kind of a an off-the-beaten-path choice. Uh, they don't really give away like the big match in the five star grand prix finals. So I think like Himika is a great possibility to win this block. You know, the the only other thing I could think of is if they're just really wanting to cement Julia as like one of the biggest, you know, one of the top 2 push commodities in the company, then you could just have a run through this whole thing and win. Uh but then I'm not sure what you do with you know, the title challenge. I guess you can do a, another Julia Mayu match since, you know, that's also what led off this tournament. So I think like that's a, a possibility to keep in the back of your mind. But I tend to agree with you. I mean, Konami was a finalist last year, so she can be a five-star finalist. Uh, but yeah, Himika makes a lot of sense to me, especially after we saw her beat Julia.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Blue blue Block, I'm just looking, I'm reminding myself of the list. I mean, Blue Block is a little bit more, uh, it's certainly more up in the air. I think there's more possibilities. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about Tsuri, but my only thing with that is she's getting a title shot during, in the middle of this tournament um, at their Yokohama shows, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So it would seem a bit odd to me. That she would get that opportunity and then go in and possibly win or get very far in this tournament to you know get another opportunity so quickly, considering that Yokohama shows at the end of August and then this tournament ends in the beginning of September. You know, Momo's always a possibility. Um, Utami is an interest; would be an interesting one that I think that she's been well pushed but hasn't quite been pushed all the way to the top. Um, So to me, those are really, those are the three that stand out most to me in the blue block.
2: Yeah. I've heard some people talk about Momo as, uh, as a possibility, but she's also, you know, in the Yokohama, Yokohama Cinderella shows wrestling Mayu and Julia. So (laughs) I don't know. That seems kind of, kind of weird to me. I think the Shuri thing is, She's going to win the three matches before her title match at uh, in Yokohama, and then she can lose the rest of her matches. You know, But she needs to go really strong into that. So I, I don't read a lot into her winning these first few uh, matches. I think there's two options only to come out of this block, and these are also the two people I think are most likely to win the tournament. Utami Hayashista is my pick to win the tournament. I think she makes the most sense as someone who's already been a, a pretty well pushed commodity, but they also, I want to talk about this later. Or maybe I'll talk about it now, but I think they're really struggling at the top of the card with like stars who can also really go for like a Corakwin main event. Like I think Mayu is maybe the only person left at this point uh, after a lot of retirements and of course some other tragic issues. So I think it's just kind of Mayu. Julia's not there yet. I wonder if they want to push somebody like Utami up into that echelon because she has the star aura and she can certainly have more of that as she gets more pushed, but she also is an excellent worker. So Utami, to me, makes the most sense. The other possibility, and she's 0-2 so far, is Jungle Kiona, and I say this only for this reason. She's not as pushed a commodity as you would normally expect to win the tournament, but the whole thing about her losing to Mayu, another title match in Nagoya, just really, uh, it, it's sticking in my craw, Taylor. And I think the, unless they were just, you know, unnecessarily cruel, you can make an argument for her winning this and then getting another shot at Mayu. And if she does that and wins, you, to me, this is your last chance to make Kiona into like a top of the company star. And if they do that, it's possible. She's 0 2. But if you look at the rest of the matches she has left, Momo, Azumi, Natsuko, Ida, Micah, she can win all those easily. You know, it does not uh, strain belief uh, to think that she could win all those. So that's my other possibility. But I do think that Utami is the one who comes out of this block and wins the whole thing.
1: I will not be tricked by Jungle Kiona again. (laughs) I'm very zen about the whole thing. I just now, I have no faith. So if you set your expectations very low, you can never be disappointed.
2: That's kind of me. My my good friend, Mike Spears, uh, is saying that Momo's going to win. He's picked her to win. And uh, I'm just, I'm not going to buy into that because that, it would be awful if, of course, then she goes on not to win. Uh, let's look at the, the, the VOW startup five, uh, ugh, the VOW stardom five star GP pick em. The most likely pick, the person who was selected the most in the red stars block was Julia to come out of that block. And, Oh, Julia's also the most picked to be the runner up. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. And then in the blue stars block. Uh, Momo Watanabe gets the most uh, selections and also the most selections for runner-up. So I guess there was a lot of of people who picked uh, either Julia or Momo to be first or second in the blocks. What do you think about that?
1: Um, You know, that's interesting because I, now I'm actually thinking about it more um, now that you said that. And I think it's a case where, you know, Himika beat Julia today. And I have some sort of feeling that it's going to come down to a tie between the two of them. And that because Himika has the head to head victory, she goes into the finals. I just don't know if the company would put her in the finals just to have her lose. That seems just thinking about it now, that seems unlikely because I feel like if she went to the finals, they would want her to win. You know, she just took her first singles loss. Um, so you were talking about her getting in and facing whoever would come out of the blue block and then losing. And I just don't know that they would do that when they could say, Oh, well she was really close. She was tied. So she almost got in the finals except for this one loss that she had to Himika. So Himika gets in and then maybe Himika loses. And is that sort of, as you mentioned, someone who can go in have sort of a marquee match, but not a top marquee match, and can also lose to whoever in the blue block they want to win. I think so.
2: I think she's I think she's perfect for it, honestly. Um, because she's still so we'll talk about this more when we talk about the Julia Himeka match, but I mean I think there's really something there with Himika at the top of this promotion. But she can lose to my pick here, Utami, which also like they're similar similarly sized, so you know, it doesn't look crazy for Utami to to beat her. And you know that's something that you can put in your back pocket for a really big match later down the road. So that's something that uh, makes sense to me. the The, the VOW uh, Pickem participants have chosen Julia as the most likely. Nearly forty percent of the participants chose Julia to win, and Mayu second. So a lot of a lot of chalk pickers in the in the Pickem.
1: Yeah, how many people picked Death Yamasan? <laughs>
2: Uh, I can't, see. it's, uh, oh, actually I can. Let's see, hold on. It might be, it might be none. Yeah, I think it's none. I think no people picked Death Yamason.
1: Interesting. No one went with the really, I mean, that would be a pick where if you're right, you're going to be the only person, <laughs> you're going to be the only person you're guaranteed to win the whole thing. Uh. Oh, wait,
2: I'm actually, I take everything back that I've just said.
1: Oh. Because the, the
2: colors in the, in the thing that I'm looking at, the colors in the pie chart don't match up with the colors in the the key. So when I mouse over the biggest block, it's actually Momo Watanabe getting 38.9% and Utami Hayashishta getting 30%. I find that unlikely. Uh, so I'm not sure which part is wrong. I'm guessing most people pick Julia or Mayu rather than Momo or Utami. What do you think?
1: Wait. So now I'm. Now you've confused <laughs> <laughs> me too. No, wait, you're looking at a chart.
2: Yes, I have a chart of all the responses for okay. the Pickham. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all the other ones it matches. So there'll be a pie chart, and it will you know they'd be in various colors as as a pie chart often is. And then on the right side there's a key. So the top one will have a little blue circle and it says Momo Watanabe. Then I go over to the pie chart and I mouse over the blue. Um, slice, and it also then, when I mouse over it, says Momo Watanabe. So, you know, that it all lines up there, right? But when I go down to the champion part, the, the key says blue, Mayu Iwatani, and then when I look at blue, when I mouse over it, it says Utami Now that I'm explaining this to you, I think I figured out what the problem is. There are slightly differing shades that my discerning eye has not picked up on. So... In fact, forget everything I've just said, listeners, and the most picked winners in the five-star pinkham at Voices of Wrestling, 38.9% chose Momo Watanabe, 29.6% chose Utami Hayashita. Those
1: are actually the the picks. Those are the picks, and we've also learned that Aaron cannot <laughs> tell the difference between Cerulean and Aqua Blue. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm thinking about that time that... Uh, uh, a friend of mine pointed out that we had done a uh, very meltarian audio. And I think folks, I've just done it again. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: anyway, well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. If even if no one else did. So, all right.
1: well, we've journeyed all around and now I don't, really know who everyone picked in the pick'em?
2: They They picked Mobo as the overwhelming favorite. To win
1: win the whole thing.
2: To win the whole damn thing. And Utami Ayashishta was the second most chosen. uh, With uh, Jungle Kiona coming in third. Got it.
1: So people, they still have faith in... They're not like me. They're not totally um, emotionally dead inside when it comes to Jungle.
2: They are not. Uh, It's just I don't... I have a hard time understanding how all this uh, adds up, but apparently it does. So I'm willing to believe this uh, this Google Doc that I was given. OK, well, that is, you know, basically uh, your overview of the five star Grand Prix. Let's get into the first night. Uh, only three of these matches have been posted on Stardom World as of us recording this, which is Sunday at what? It's about 4 p.m. So that's all that's gone up so far. So we'll talk about those in depth. But here are all the results. So if you don't want to hear the results, you're going to want to fast forward a little bit. Corquin Hall, 445 fans. They build that as a super no vacancy full house. Uh, and I'll just run down the results first, Taylor, and then we'll go back to the to the matches, okay? Uh, to the matches that we've actually seen. So opening match, Rena defeated Hina. And then getting into the actual tournament matches, Red Block, Starlight Kid defeated Death Yamasan. Blue Block, Azami defeated Saya Ida. Red Block, Konami defeated Saya Kamitani. Blue Block, Mika defeated Momo Watanabe. Blue Block, Shuri defeated Natsuko Tora. Red Block, Himeka defeated Tom Nakano. And finally, no, no, no. Blue Block, Utami Hayashita defeated Jungle Kiona. And finally in the Red Block, Julia defeated Mayu Iwatani I didn't read the points there because of course you know that the winners it's the first night so the winners all have two points the losers all have zero points uh let's go through these the first one that we actually got to watch was Starlight Kid defeating Death Yamasan uh Kichan Bomb was the finish three minute match quick match uh but a fun one and actually no that was the next that was the next night but uh just a fun little match it's good to see Kid get off to a good start
1: Yeah, not much. As you said, a very short match, so not uh, too much to say. But as probably many people would predict, the first of probably Death Yamasan's many losses in this tournament. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure that she'll beat someone. It'll be interesting to see who that is. So
2: speaking of Death Yamasan's tournament, her, her matchup on the last night is with Julia. So it's it's pretty easy to imagine Death Yamasan spoiling Julia's tournament. I think at that last show.
1: Although that could also be a that could be a, you know, it could be what do, what do you call that? Uh, reverse psychology? I guess reverse reverse <laughs> psychology because you say, oh, facing Death Yamasan, which you would assume she would win, but then because you would assume she would win, you then assumed that she would lose, but <laughs> maybe they're saying that you would assume that she would lose, so she'll win. Yeah, all that. I understood all that for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I, because I, then that would, that would go into my scenario of, well, how would that work? Well,
2: it could. It could be that Julia and Himika are tied because uh, Himika wrestles Konami right before that match. So Himika wins. Himika and Julia are both on the same number of points. All Julia has to do is beat Death Yamasan to advance, but she loses, and therefore she and Himika stay on the same points, but Himika wins the tiebreaker. Do we know that that's the official order of how the matches are going to go? I guess we probably don't. We probably don't know that.
1: Because my Uh, thing would be that, that Julia, that they're tied, Himika and Julia are tied going into the last night. Julia goes first and beats Death Yamasan. And it's two points ahead. And then it's Himika needing to beat Konami to tie and therefore go into the finals. I guess that could happen. I guess those are two possibilities. Yeah, either one of those works.
2: Uh, and I don't know if you know this, Taylor, but our our one of our dreams will probably be crushed on the final night as Momo Watanabe faces
1: Jungle Kiona. <laughs> Aaron, as I've already mentioned, my dreams are already crushed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry.
2: Okay, the, the next, I should mention that Rina versus Hina is also up on Stardom World. So if you need more than just the five-star Grand Prix, that's up there too. Uh, let's see, what's the next match that we've seen? It was Saya Ida losing to Azami. We, we mentioned this briefly, but Saki opted out. Saki Kashima opted out of the five-star due to health reasons. And they haven't said anything more than that. But Saya Ida is replacing her. She lost to uh, Azami here with uh, an arm breaker type move. And, man, I thought this was really
1: good. Yeah, it was fun. There were a few awkward moments. Uh, yes, some moves including that, the finish. <laughs> that I was sort of like, oh, what? what's that? What are you doing? But, yeah, it was a fun, uh, you know, another one, a, sh- a shorter match, only eight minutes. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to see Saida in this tournament, you know, Saki Kashima would have been great as well, but good to see her in here and getting some you know, good opportunities and opportunities to learn and grow as a wrestler.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be great for her to get all these singles matches that she's going to get with, you know, obviously everybody in this block. So I'm excited for Saya, and I thought she held up her under the bargain here, other than apparently setting up to the wrong side for the finish. So Ozmi had to literally tell her to move to the other side so she could do the move, which was pretty funny. Uh, what do you think of Azumi's new gear?
1: She has joined Fringe Gang with Sayakami Kamitani. I was thinking, I was like, someone must have gotten a deal on Fringe and been like, okay, everyone in this company is going to wear Fringe on their outfit. I, My thought about it is I the first time I saw the gear, because she debuted it um, on the 26th, on the 24th, anyway, a couple weeks ago.
2: 26th, I think, when she won
1: the high-speed. Yes, that's time. correct, when she won the high-speed. Um, I mean, I think it might look better with fringe as a wrestler. I've never been a wrestler, so maybe I'm, totally <laughs> um, but it seems like that sort of thing would annoy me. <laughs> like, it's just another thing where, when you're trying to work, that like, you have to be like, Oh, it's, you know, it's sort of like an- another part of like, you have hair. And I see a lot sometimes when people like, they get hit, and then they're lying, and they're like, oh, my hair. Got to fix my hair. Oh, that's what you're doing. So it seems like a weird – I guess you can just sort of let it do whatever it wants to do. But it just seems like another thing that would possibly, you know, distract or annoy you during a match while you're wrestling.
2: Well, it definitely, in this match, like, went over her shoulders, I think, at one point, And she had to kind of, like, push it back. And I had the same thought of, like, "But oh, that's probably – uh, annoying at times, but she's, her whole new gear is just wild. There's just a lot going on on this new gear. So I guess that's it what would you do be, when you know you're about to win the title.
1: Yeah. It would be fascinating if someone, um, maybe if you're listening could do this, but put together I um, I don't know what I want to put together. Um, okay. Not a list a list is not the right word, but of all Azumi's gear throughout the years in stardom, because it's a wild ride. <laughs> cuz remembering her um very young as a as a rookie just starting out she had some, she was switching between things a lot and it was like weird she wore a lot of weird things so i just feel like seeing them all in a sort of a timeline or something would be really wild uh, yeah i can
2: see that i was noticing i mean cuz she's gone to like a a dark grayish hair now and she she has she changes her hair a lot too i feel like which you know if i we're a 17 year old girl. I'd probably do that too. So I'm, I think it's cool. Uh, but the, the gear is just, there's a lot going on. Uh, I, I meant to go, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but I meant to go through the, the picks. Uh, so 70% of people thought, uh, Starlight Kid would win the match against Death Yamason. Uh, 74% for Azumi in this match. So, you know, everybody, uh, got those pretty easily. Uh, let's move on to the main event since that's the, uh, only other match that was posted. Julia defeated Mayu Iwatani with a double glorious driver. And uh, th- one thing I wanted to mention, you were talking about those matches being short. This is a 17 minutes and it's a it's a 20 minute time limit in the five-star Grand Prix. So nothing over 20 minutes. But uh, I really like this match. Let's see. We had 48% Uh, The pickem participants thought this would be a draw,
1: but it did not. Julia got the win. Got close, but didn't quite get there. So I was, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, sort of in the middle on this match. But I think last week I talked about, I said there's something that Julia, something about Julia's singles matches, I can't put my finger on it, that... Really prevents me from enjoying these matches. I think I'm closer because I was watching this match and trying to figure it out. There's a, um, there's, um, but I can't even really still put it into words. There's this sense of even when she's on the defensive, um, which she was in a um, portion of this match as Mayu was, you know, hitting her moonsault and things like that, it feels still very much like there's a lack of oh my God, she could like, she could lose at any time or, you know, there's, it's so very sort of packaged and like, here are my moves, here are the things I do. I'm doing them now. And we're just sort of moving forward in the match. I don't know. It's a, it's a sense of maybe coldness is not the right word, but it seems very like we're in a match. I'm doing moves. I am, um, you know, I am a heel, you know, quote-unquote heel, and I'm doing these moves. Here are my moves that I do, and we're moving forward in the match. I don't know. That's also not a good description, so maybe it's, <laughs> worse. Maybe it's, maybe it's worse than me saying I can't put my finger on it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've, don't you, I, I've really oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I figured it out. I've just figured out the word. Excellent. Sanitized. Oh. It feels very – like – when we talked about Maya and we talked about Mayu two weeks ago with that match she had where she messed up the 619 and then they botched that top rope move, there is a sense with Mayu that she's trying really hard, but you know, sometimes she does things and they don't work out, or she does thing, you know, she tries something and it's like, whoop, shouldn't have tried that, where it feels very sort of organic and natural to I'm a wrestler, I'm trying to win this match, you know, I'm fighting with all I can. That I don't get with Julia. Well, I think there's this whole thing for Julia of like, they're trying to make her
2: immediately into like the 1B the to my use 1A in this company. And so she has to be two things that she isn't, which is A, she has to have star charisma. And B, she's got to be a star level worker. And I don't think she's either of those things. Not when she came into the company. She certainly wasn't. And I think she's really focusing on her on her personality first, maybe of like trying to come across a, as more charismatic, more like a star. And I honestly thought this was her best performance in that vein. In this match, she was able to kind of let Mayu drive the bus on you know the the work in the ring, and I I really liked this match. I thought it was a good match. I mean, a Mayu corquin main event, I would expect to be better than this, but I thought it was good. Um, but I thought Julia did one of the better jobs she's done of projecting herself as a star during this match coming across or, you know, just getting her character across of who she is. Uh, I hear you. I agree that she's stilted. You know, we kind of see that in also in the, the post-match promo um, where she's like, I don't know, basically I don't think she was, she's doing this bit where she's like, I want DDM to win all our matches. And Shuri is like, hey, we can't win all our matches because we have to wrestle each other sometimes. And they like do this little bit so that they can set up a, a stare down between she and Himika. And then Julie gets back on the mic and she's like, OK, well, I just wanted to say I hope we win all our matches. And like everybody laughs, but I didn't get the sense that she was trying to make a joke, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which it would have been a good joke if she was trying. Uh, so anyway, that's a long winded way of saying I agree with you. But I think she's making progress.
1: Yeah, I think she's. I think she's making progress. But also at this point, she's now th- thoroughly a main eventer in this company. So I think this, they've raised the stakes faster than she's improved. To me, you know, she was sort of in the rising up the mid card. Now it's like you're a main eventer. You're a big star, and that time of growing. She needed more time to grow before they did that, and they didn't. They sort of rushed it a little bit. So now she sort of has to keep growing and catch up to where she is on the card.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. They dropped her into the main event and were like, uh, you know, see what you can do here. And it was a real struggle at first. It's, I think, less of a struggle now, but still a struggle. Luckily, she had Mayu here. I think you see the next night that it's a little tougher when it's her thrown in there with Himeka instead of, you know, fucking Mayu Iwatani. So, uh, I agree with you, but it's not going anywhere. She's going to be at the top of this promotion for the foreseeable future. So she's either going to have to get better or it's going to get bad one way or the other. All right, moving on to night two, and we'll recap all the points uh, when we get done with night two. The There's only one matchup. That was the main event of Julia and Himeka. Uh, just to run down the card, in a non-tournament match, Sayaka Mitani defeated Rina. And then getting into the tournament, Maika defeated Saya Ida, Mayu Ibatani defeated Starlight Kid. Mama Watanabe defeated Azumi. Tom Nakano defeated Konami. Utami Hayashishta defeated Natsuko Tora. Shuri defeated Jungle Kiona. And Himika defeated Julia. But let's jump into that match first. So did you think she was
1: any better in this match than she was in the match with Mayu? Um, no. And I agree with you that... <laughs> Well, I think that the, the best parts of the Mayu match were the sort of Mayu control periods when she was in control because, of course, as you just mentioned, it's Mayu Iwatani who's great. Um, you know, again, I don't think that these matches are bad. I feel like the way I'm speaking, it could come across like I think like these are disastrously bad matches. I just don't think they're great, and they're not up to the standard of the other wrestlers that we've seen in main events of stardom shows now i know the five-star grand prix has not you know some years has not created great matches all up and down the card but you know this is the main event at Corrigan hall so you're hoping for really a blow away encounter didn't get it um i'm very high on Himika, but i wasn't super crazy about this at one point she um i think julia hit her with a forearm and she made a face like in the cartoons, when someone gets hit with a frying pan in the face and they sort of turn towards the camera and they're like, roll, roll, roll. it was like weirdly overselling to me, um, which I found very strange. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of fine. I think my favorite part of it was Himika standing up at the end, cutting a promo and being like, ah, yes, the undefeated Julia. Oh, whoops, you're not undefeated. I just beat you. <laughs> That was like the best part to me was her standing in the middle of the ring while Julia's laying there and being like, oh, yes, you think you're great. And actually you lost, you know, she started by saying hello to everyone who loves, loves, loves Himika, you know, stealing Julia's catchphrase. Um, So, yeah, just um, I just think that currently besides Shuri, who is obviously very good um, and a veteran, very experienced, I think that all three of them, Himika, Julia, and Micah, are all people who currently their skill level lends themselves much better to these multi-person tag matches, uh, six-person matches, whatever have you. Just because they can go in, they can show their strengths, and then they can get out. Whereas in a match like this, um, you know, you have to show the whole thing, the strengths and the weaknesses. So not great to me. What did you think, Aaron? I think I liked
2: it. Uh, quite a bit more than you did. I mean, I didn't think it was great. Probably, I don't know, three and a quarter or so. Um, I thought it was good. I liked it, but it definitely showed that, you know, Julia needs a star to have a really good match, like a star in the ring with her. You know, her best matches have been with Mayu Watani and Hana Kimura. So when she's in there with Himika, she's not going to hit those highs. I agree that Himika had that, like that one really bad facial expression, but overall, like the way she carried herself made me think that she could be a huge star and could ultimately be at the top of this promotion if if booked in the right way. Um, but, you know, they have a real you're right when you say, well, they've kind of thrown Julie into the deep end and these other people who aren't really up to the standard of the company. But who else do you want there? I mean, they really I mean, I know you're going to say Jungle Kiona and I agree, uh, but they are. After Mayu Iwatani, as I mentioned earlier, they are bereft of people who are, who have the kind of star aura, the big personality and are really good in ring. There's, they have a lot of people who are really good workers who can, you know, work kind of the top of the mid card, but they don't really have anybody after Mayu that's a top level star, top level worker. It's like, you know, it, it didn't seem, when Kagetsu and and Hazuki retired, it's like, well, that sucks, but they've got all these other people. And then the hits just kept coming, you know? And, you know, I was never the biggest Arisa Hoshiki in-ring fan, but you knew what you were getting out of, out of an Arisa match, and the crowd received her as a huge star. So she had something that, like, a lot of these people just do not have. So it's weirdly a company that is kind of stacked with talent, but doesn't have top-of-the-card talent.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I will say for Himika, one place, I think that she um, has gotten her character much better off the bat than Julia has. She's sort of this, you know, obviously she's one of the bigger people on the roster, and she's sort of this sarcastic, you know, person. Like I talked about the promo at the end, talking about, oh, Julia, you're undefeated. Oh, wait, you're not undefeated. So I think that she's gotten to the character a lot faster than Julia has, which means that now, and she is very talented in ring. Um, as we've seen, we saw it in actress girls um, in her tag with her tag team with Miki Takase. She has the skill. So it is there. It's not as if she's like totally green or anything, and she's already got the character. So I think that actually, you know, I don't know that the company's going to put her above Julia at any point. So she sort of has shorter to go. You know, she was in this main event, but this is, you know, the five-star Grand Prix where they're putting, you know, they're, they're moving people up and down the card. So it's not a title match or she's not defending a title where she's being relied on to have a main event every month or something like that. But for a one-time thing, it was interesting to see. And so I think to where they want her to go, she's closer to that point than Julie is to where the company wants her to go. I think that's
2: fair. Uh, but I think they should keep an open mind because they're going to have to have some top level stars wherever it comes from. And, you know, your, your Azabis and your Sayakamitanis are, are far away. I mean, they don't have to be that far away. Obviously you can be pretty young and be, um, be a, a big Joshi star, but I don't think like within the next year, either of them is ready to hold, uh, one of the major singles titles, you know? <laughs> so right. I would keep an open mind about people. It's like, you know, Going with Jungle Kiona is not the worst idea at this point. I'm sorry to keep bringing this up, Taylor. I know it hurts, but already established, already received very well by the fans. A very good worker. You know, you need some of those folks.
1: Yeah. No, you are not going <laughs> to trick me. I said I already did. I'm not being tricked by this anymore.
2: I'm sorry. Okay, well, let's look at the points real quickly. In the blocks, the Red Stars' block Himeka is on top. With four points, the only undefeated person in the Red Stars block. Mayu, Julia, Tom, Konami, and Starlight Kid all on two points. And Sayakamitani and Death Yamasan are both pointless so far. In the Blue Stars block, we have Utami Hayashita, Shuri, and Micah all on four points. I think the Mika one is, is the most surprising there. I expected Momo to beat her in their opening match. Uh, but Micah got the win. So they're all three, two and oh, Azumi and Momo are on two points. And then uh, after everything I just said, Kiona, Natsuko Tora and Saeeda stuck on zero. But you know, it is sad, but it's, it's early on. Uh, The next show is going to be on August 15th. And again, if you want, you know, really digging into every one of these matches uh, hear at least my thoughts on every single match, that happens in the five-star Grand Prix over at patreon.com slash everything elite. I'm going to be doing uh, some sort of daily audio on that ends up covering every match that happens in this tournament. So check that out. But of course, uh, on the next episode of Jumping Bomb Audio, we will discuss uh, some of the more recent big matches. I feel very confident. Okay. Anything else on
1: five-star? No, I think that's it. That's it for me.
2: Okay. Let's move over into the Tokyo Joshi Pro Princess Cup. They've had two shows so far. Now, we talked generally about the Princess Cup last time. So, you know, we don't need to break down kind of how it all works uh, as much. One thing that I came across, Taylor, that I thought was interesting, Oyster's Earrings on Twitter posted a bookmaker's odds for the Princess Cup. And I, I thought we were kind of struggling with you know who was going to win, or who was the favorite to win. Uh, so I thought this was an interesting thing to look at, and the top three, uh, according to Oysters Earrings, Shuka Nakajima at six to one, Mizuki at seven to one, and Yuka Sakazaki at eight to one. But I think that lines up at least with kind of the top people in the promotion, other than Miyu Yamashita, who who he had in fourth.
1: Yeah, although you know my thought with these is always, you know, with Yuka who's already holding the title. Um, you know, my thought was that you can probably get her out with some, you know, get her out with someone, then you set up a title match. And also, you know, you're not having her in the finals where she wins. And then you're like, well, what do we do? Or she names her own challenger or something like that. So I would have probably put her at lower, slightly lower odds, just because she's the champion. And it seems unlikely that you know, for a promotion that probably has enough people where they can have someone win and challenge to have the champion win and say, I'm going to pick my challenger or something like that seems slightly less likely to me. But yeah, I mean, Shoko, uh, Mizuki, uh, you know, Miyu all sort of at the top of the company. So probably at the at the base, you know, just looking at it at a glance are the most likely people to win. All right. Well,
2: let's look at the, the first night at Kanda Myojin Hall. And uh, there, there are some non-tournament matches in this as well, but I think we're just going to focus on the tournament matches. So, and I know we talked about it some last week, but this is a single elimination tournament. So it's not like the five-star. If you lose in this, you're gone. So the first round one match, Suzume defeated Haruna Neko. And this is a match of... Basically, uh, teacher versus student or like, you know, uh, Haruneko kind of the, the guiding force for Suzume. So Suzume gets the win over her with a diving body, uh, a diving crossbody in uh, Suzume's very first Tokyo Princess Cup match.
1: Yeah, I thought that she looked good. She had a match um, on the first night and the second night. I thought Suzume looked um, looked really good on both nights for uh someone who is so young in the wrestling business
2: yes i agree although i thought the the match on night two was much better which we will talk about uh we had maki ito defeating himawari unagi with the ito deluxe and i thought this was pretty fun i mean tokyo joshi pro you're like other than your big main event matches a lot of time it's just the matches are fun right i mean do you think that's fair
1: yeah. I liked this match. I thought Unagi's offense looked really cool and interesting. She had a moment when Ido was against the ropes and she sort of jumped up in the corner and did a split kick, I guess. That's how I would describe it. Although probably is not too descriptive. She did a great leg drop. Um, so her, I thought her offense looked really good, even though she uh, was defeated um, in the match. So... Th- So, yeah, I thought it was a fun match. Cool offense from Unagi. And, of course, Ito is a big personality, so her matches are always a lot of fun.
2: Thought you were going to talk about the boob-based offense there, Taylor. I was afraid that's where you were going.
1: No, no, no. I was talking about (laughs) only the athletic ability. Only the athletic ability. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Just I was wondering where we were going.
2: Uh, Next up, Natsumi Maki defeated Mina Shirakawa with the backlash. And I thought this... At this point was the best match of the show so far. Um you you know you see some some rough parts and by that I I don't mean rough as in bad just like not as smooth uh but it showed that these are better workers than not everybody in the first two matches but just like a generally better combination of workers and so I thought they had a fun match.
1: Yeah, it was a good match. Also a point uh, to note, sort of unrelated to the match, but Natsumi Maki coming out in gear that was given to her by Kairi Hojo, I believe. So um, just so you know, an, a little interesting factoid or tidbit for anyone watching the match. But, yeah, it's good. I've always thought um, Maki is super talented, obviously super athletic. I mean, she comes to the ring and does that no-handed cartwheel. Um and I also really like Mina Shirakawa. So as you said, to repeat your point, yeah, we're sort of moving up the card and these are two, you know, talented wrestlers. Hey, that's how you put together a good wrestling card, right? <laughs> the matches get better as you go. As you so, go. Can't, can't
2: mind that. Um, the next tournament match we had, Miyu Yamashita defeated Raku with the attitude adjustment. Always fun to see. Um, Sorry, I was looking at my uh, my notes here for this one. I always love to see Raku, big fan of Raku. Um, and she got in there with, with Miyu, who is generally uh, maybe the best worker in the company, certainly one of the best workers in the company. And I don't know, my overall thought, um, I don't know if somebody's going to get mad at me for this, but I thought Miyu worked really hard in this match, and Raku just wasn't, quite up to her her speed
0: bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. Twenty-one plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C.
2: To make it really all come together and work, uh, but uh, you got the win nonetheless. Uh, her her whole thing. Is that she hates tournaments and usually does badly in them, so she was very excited to win this first round
1: match. Yes, and she has to, you know, defeating one of the Up Up girls and has another Up Up girl in the second round, so we'll see if her luck continues. My question, Aaron, I guess that you could answer this as someone who um, is part of everything elite. When is Raku going to sue FTR for stealing uh, the name of her finishing move, or not finishing move, but the Goodnight Express? Every time uh, they say it on AEW TV, I, I say, hey, that's Raku's move.
2: Yeah, we we mentioned that I think once a week or every time FDR shows up on AEW, we mentioned that on the podcast. So, uh, you know, I, this isn't me, um, you know, soliciting business or anything, but Raku, I'll do it for free. If you would like to sue for gimmick infringement, uh, I'd be happy to represent you here in here in the United States. So uh, I think she should do it immediately. It pisses me off. Uh, you know, if FTR really knew as much about wrestling as they, as they claim they do, if they were historians and, uh, really up on what's going on in wrestling, they would know that they're stealing from uh, a much better, a much better character.
1: Yes. And also I would love if you took that case on that would probably get, um, we well, probably would get both your podcasts, a lot of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. So,
2: uh, I'll do it Raku. now I met Raku, uh, at an idol festival In Tokyo. So we have a little history. I won a a carnival game to meet Raku. And
1: uh, yeah, that's what happened. And importantly, um, I don't know that we've talked about this on this podcast, but you are learning Japanese.
2: I am learning Japanese. That's true. Uh, I did not know any Japanese when I met Raku. And she was trying to speak to me. Uh, in English. And we were just having the worst time understanding each other. I obviously am from Kentucky, so I speak the way I speak. And so she was having a hard time understanding me. I wasn't quite sure what she was asking me. It was, uh, it was a wild ride. Uh, But I was still coming off the high of winning this carnival game that nothing could bring me down really. Great. (laughs) But anyway, that was that
1: match that we just (laughs) talked about.
2: (laughs) No, it was cool. That was a cool story. Um, Matt, uh, Matt SDL, friend of the show, Matt SDL was there when this happened. He can confirm that this is all true. Okay. T- Taylor's not going to go down this road with me. So I'm just going to move on. The, the main event of okay. the show, yeah. Yuka Sakazaki defeating Nodoka Tenma um, with the magical girl, Niwatoriado. What did you think about this one?
1: Um, so I like this. I thought that this was a, you know, we talked about the odds earlier. I thought that this was a surprising result. Um, to go back to the odds Nadoka Tenma when I first saw this chart is at um, 19 to one odds. And I thought that that was a really, you know, if we were really, you know, putting money down, that would be a good pick. You know, it's not long astronomical odds, but it is sort of, you could put some money down and make some money because I thought that Tenma is a, you know, she's challenged for the title before, you know, she challenged for the title last year. She's a credible challenger. It's someone who could beat Yuka and it would be believable. And then you get Yuka out of the tournament and you don't have to worry about it. So it was a, um, it was a surprising result, but good match. Obviously, the two of the probably um, people closest to the top, you know, in that top tier of talent in Tokyo Joshi. So I enjoyed the match. Always enjoy seeing uh, Yuka Sakazaki.
2: Absolutely. Moving on to night two, I enjoyed night one, but I thought night two was a much better show. Like up and down the card, I just thought pretty much every match was was quite a bit of fun, and there was a lot of like a lot of variability in the the match style on night two. Uh, again, I'm just going to go through the the tournament matches. So uh, Mizuki defeated Suzume, so Suzume's Tokyo Princess Cup run uh, falls short in the second round. Uh, which you know, if we're if we're talking about the odds, this was a huge mismatch uh, because we had Mizuki at seven to one and Suzume at four hundred to one. So you know, she did her best.
1: Yeah, Suzume's Cinderella run in the tournament, and I'm not talking about the Cinder the Stardom Cinderella tournament, <laughs> uh, but her Cinderella run in the tournament comes to the end in the second round. Although the first night of matches was sort of like play in. Matches just because of the number of people they had. Yeah. It was sort of like those um, 11th seed uh, March Madness games where you have to play an extra game to get into the sort of quote unquote tournament proper. So, a very short Cinderella run. But yeah, like I said with the last match, I thought Suzume looked really good in both of these matches. And I enjoy this. Mizuki is uh, probably close or maybe my favorite wrestler in Tokyo Joshi. So, always enjoy seeing her.
2: I'll probably I'll end up saying this a few times during this show, but to this point, this match was my favorite of either show. I really liked it a lot, uh just like Suzume trying really hard uh but Mizuki just you know just being better, that's like a classic wrestling story, right so I enjoyed it a lot next up, Maki Ito defeated Yuki Kamafuku. I will never stop loving uh Yuki coming out to old McDonald had a farm. How could you? <laughs> it's always so good uh this. Uh, Ito won with the Ito Deluxe. I thought this was a pretty weird match. This was, I'm not going to say I thought this was the best match of the tournament at to this point. I thought it was like pretty disjointed for two people that I really like. And I think uh, Ito is is very good almost always, and Kamiyu is, uh, can be very good. Uh, there was just like a moment where Kamiyu went to punch Maki Ito, but then instead of punching her, she collapsed, like selling the back from earlier in the match. But it just, came across really awkward, I thought. Like, I get what she was going for, but it just seemed like an odd way of, of telling that story.
1: Yeah, that moment, I think that is what they were going for, but I agree, that same moment, it felt like something where almost like she had misstepped and had been like, whoa, like lost her balance, but then she was like, oh, my back, and I was like, okay, it's part of the match, but it didn't seem, it it did seem a little bit odd. I agree, I was, I was pretty uh, excited for this match. Um, you know, looking, sort of looking at the brackets after Ito won the day before. Uh, But yeah, it was fine. But, you know, nothing, nothing blow away for me.
2: Next up, we had Miyu Watanabe versus Mirai Mayumi. And let's see, I've lost my notes here, but uh, Miyu won this match. And this was a match I really liked a lot. It was very different from anything else on either of these shows. It was... Just both pers- both people coming in with a very specific strategy, never straying from it. Uh, you know, Miyu going after the back, uh, Mirai going after the arm. Uh, I thought Miyu showed off like how good she is at selling.
1: Just everything about this I really liked. Yeah, you know, one interesting thing about Tokyo Joshi is they seem to pump out rookies at an incredible rate. Um, certainly faster than I think anyone else in at least Joshi, if not all of, you know, Japanese wrestling or even American wrestling. And so it's so fascinating to me to see the different sort of passive progression of each of the different rookies. You know, some come out, they get, you know, all of a sudden they're like, wow, they're great. Some of them, you know, take a little bit longer. I think Mirai is one who hasn't been around that long, but has looked really good Um, since she debuted, and definitely someone to keep an eye out for, in my opinion. I mean, facing someone in Miyu Watanabe who is already very good and probably near the top of the company. So, yeah, I agree. Um, A super fun match between, you know, and a great match to see between someone more experienced and sort of a younger, um, not exactly rookie, but sort of close to being a rookie.
2: And then the the main event of night two, and this is our first big match where uh you know if we're looking at the at the odds that are both like high, both have good odds, uh short odds. So Yuki Aino defeated Rika Tatsumi, and we had uh this was an upset. So Yuki came in at twelve to one, Rika at nine to one, and uh this was I thought this was really good. This I think was the since it's at the, actually the final match of night two, I can say I think this was the best match of the tournament so far.
1: Yeah, um, you know, a little bit, as you said, both had sort of high odds, so a little bit surprising. You know, Yuki just had the, the title match, um, which she didn't win. So, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. But, yeah, Rika is, to me, another one who's so good, very talented, um, and Yuki also can go as well um as we saw in that title match a few weeks ago um was that a few weeks ago yeah i think so yeah. okay we um, talked about we might have talked about it on the last episode i think we did but i'm sort of just losing track of all time yes um but yeah i thought it was good i agree with you that i think that the this second night um was superior to the first night but as i said there was some sort of play in was sort of the atmosphere of a play-in game on the first night. So this sort of was the first night of the quote unquote tournament proper. So it makes sense that this was a little bit superior to the first night, although there was a lot on the first night that I enjoyed.
2: So that's night two of the princess cup night three is going to be happening, you know, probably before, well, yes, before this show goes up. So before you hear this night three will have happened, but it hasn't aired yet. So we can't talk about it. And it's, It's interesting in that it's the first, or it's night three, but for a lot of people, it's their first match. And I think the tournament uh, really kind of gets going here. So, Hyper Masao versus Yuka Sakazaki, Hikari Noah versus Miyu Yamashita, Palm Harajuku versus Natsumi Maki, and Shoko Nakajima versus Mahiro Kiyu. So, a very good card. Uh, They'll follow that up on the 15th and the 16th with the final two, like, you know, play in or not play in rounds, but, you know, before the finals. And then August 29th, they'll go to Shinjuku Face for the finals. And we'll probably we'll be able to preview that finals matchup on the next episode.
1: All right. Anything else about the Princess Cup? Nope. That's the that's the whole kit and caboodle.
2: <laughs> OK, next up. Unfortunately, I have not been able to check out the Ice Ribbon show that popped up. Uh, this morning, right? So it happened last night.
1: Yes, it ended at uh, 6 a.m. Eastern time uh, this morning.
2: Yeah, so I haven't been able to check it out yet, but you've watched the whole show, right, Taylor?
1: Yes, I watched it live last night. I was up uh, very late, later Um, than I thought I would be up. I was thinking, oh, I'll be asleep by 4.30 or 5, and then I looked at my phone at 5.15 and I said, well, never mind. (laughs) Um, as they were in, uh, in an intermission, I said, well, that's not happening. But it went till six. It was a four-hour show, um, one of their bigger shows of the year, which makes sense. One of the last few shows at Yokohama Mukai, Uh, there's the Oz show on August 28th. And then I believe there's one or two Big Japan shows at the venue on the 29th, and then that will be it. So this, as I mentioned, one of the very last shows – in this venue before um, it goes away. So um, overall, I thought that this was a super fun show, very easy to watch. I mentioned it was four hours, but it actually went by very quick. Um, opened with an eight-person tag team elimination match uh, featuring Ibuki Hoshi, Mika Osaki, Riko Kaiju from Seedling, and Thekla taking on Benny Okaiwa, Satsuki Totoro, Yappi, and the debuting Yuki Mashiro. Um, this was a super fun match. It was actually very quick for an elimination match. I think the first elimination happened within maybe the first two minutes of the match. Um, a lot going on, obviously, with eight people in the ring. I thought Riku Kaiju, I was happy to see her get an opportunity um, outside of the world of seedling on this sort of big show. I thought she did very well. Um, And it came down to Micah Osaki um, against the rookie Yuki Mashiro, And I actually thought that that was the best part of the match. They had a great little um, few-minute sprint, um, a lot of really cool near falls uh, with Yuki getting um, very close to pinning Micah a few times before losing. So I thought it was a lot of fun, a great way to open the show, high-energy, quick pace. Uh, the next match was a tag team match with two uh, returns, Akane Fujito and Asahi uh, returning for the first time since, I believe, the end of February, taking on Miku Aono from Actress Girls, and the returning for the first time in many years, Mio Shirai. Um, that was really the draw for me in this match to see Mio Shirai return. Supposedly, this is a one time only return, Um, but I have to say, Mio Shirai looked amazing in this match, she looked so good, it was sort of a good and bad, because she looked so good, I was so excited, I was so happy, but then you think, oh, it's a one-off, oh, I wish she would come back, I mean, she came in the match, and the first thing she did is she delivered this great-looking axe kick um, to Asahi, which looked really great, she did a, a tarantula, Submission in the ropes, which looked really cool. She just came off, uh, to me, like a star. And so the match ended. She actually was defeated by Asahi, who rolled her up for the three count. But, you know, the match ended. I said, oh, that was great. And I really hope that this isn't a one-off because I think that Mio is really great um, and would be an asset to Ice Ribbon or even the Joshi World at large. Uh, The next match was the first of six title matches that were on the card. It was the WUW World Underground Wrestling Women's title. Uh, This was a title that had been Thekla's. She lost it to Cherry, and Cherry here was defending against Matsuya Uno. Um, This title has sort of become a sort of grappling title. Both Cherry and Matsuya came out in geese, um, although Matsuya Uno took off her belt immediately and started whipping Cherry with it. Um, But then they went into grappling. If you're only familiar sort of with Cherry as a comedy wrestler, if you've seen her in somewhere like YMZ where she does a fortune teller gimmick and she has sort of these comedy matches, this was a great change of pace. I thought it was a super fun match with Cherry and Matsuya grappling Um, for a few minutes. It was a quick match under eight minutes uh, with Cherry retaining, but, you know, a great start. I was watching this show, and I was like, wow, the first three matches, this is a great, really strong start to the show. The next match, another title match, it was pretty much, it actually was title matches all the way up for the rest of the card. So this was the triangle ribbon um, match, championship match, between Chonchiru, the champion Tehanma, and Ram Kaichau of Rebel and Enemy. And Ram actually, I I figured that she would win, although some people I saw online thought that Tehanma would retain. But Ram won. I like Ram. She's got a great personality. It's such an she's such an interesting character, and I'm excited to see what she does with that belt. Um the next match was the IW title match. The title that returned recently on the no audience Ice Ribbon Dojo shows. And it was Hemika Hoshi defending against the returning Makoto. And I thought that this match, another great match. I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but it was great. I thought Makoto was really hard hitting, didn't hold back. They had a really fantastic match. You know, it's a 19-minute Uh, time limit for these title matches. They went just over 12 minutes with Hoshi retaining her title, although there were a couple moments I thought maybe Makoto would pull it off and get the victory. I thought that would be very interesting um, because she's someone who was in Ice Ribbon for many years and then left and has now returned. It will be interesting to see if this is a one-off for this sort of big show, this big blow-off, or if she comes back more often. Then the top three, uh, the first of the top three was the brand new, the um, first deciding the first champion for the Fantast Ice title match, which was a, um, it was a hardcore match, pinfalls only between Risa Sarah and Rina Yamashita. Um, one of the highlights of the match or even the pre-match was Rina Yamashita riding out to the ring on a motorcycle driven by Manami Toyota, uh, which was very cool to see. And then actually they brawled to the outside at one point and Rena got back on the motorcycle and drove it into Risa's hair, giving her a lariat on the outside. They then got back in the ring and it got, you know, very hardcore. They had a huge ladder in the ring that they were suplexing each other off. They had lots of chairs. They brought out light tubes. Actually, Risa brought out a... I guess you could call it a fan made of light tubes. Um, It was huge, giant size. It was probably bigger than her body. And at one point she swung it at uh, Rina Yamashita. Rina was bleeding quite a lot. Um, Her face was pretty much entirely red. This was a super match. I recommend you check it out. I went four stars. Risa defeating Rina Yamashita to become the first Fantastice. Champion, the Fantast Ice, will be sort of like the DDT Extreme title, where the sort of rules of each title match will be decided. You know, as the title matches are announced, they'll decide the rules. The rules could change for each match. Uh, the semi main event was the dropkickers, Tsukasa Fujimoto and Tsukushi, taking on two thirds of the Frank sisters, Haragi Kurumi and Mochi Miyagi. Um, This was a good match. This was probably the one match on the show that I was slightly um, underwhelmed with. I thought it started off really well. There was some interesting stuff. Mochi Miyagi um, landed on her head off a dropkick at one point, which looked crazy. Uh, Fujimoto jumped off Haragi's back at one point to do a dropkick. But then they got to the end, and I thought that the finishing sequence sort of went on too long. It was the point when, you know, it's two of them in the ring and they're trying for a pin, and someone comes in, and they break it up, and then they're thrown out of the ring. It felt like that probably should have been a few minutes shorter. So it got to the point where I was sort of like, wow, this, you know, oh, a big move. Oh, this is going to be the, oh, no, it's not the finish. Oh, this is going to be the big move. This is going to be the finish. And it wasn't the finish. So that would probably be my only complaint. Not a not a bad match, uh, but for the semi-main, and a match I was pretty excited for was a little bit disappointing for me. And then finally, the main event for the Ice Infinity title, Maya Yukihi defending once again against Suzu Suzuki. Um, They had had a title match a few months ago that we talked about on the show, and actually some people, um, I had talked about how it sort of had underwhelmed me um, a little bit. Some people tweeted at me, and we talked about, you know, I was expecting Suzu to win, and it sort of wasn't in the, she was originally going to get the title match at Yokohama, and then it was in a much smaller venue. You know, Mayo defeated Suzu at that point. So it was a little underwhelming to me. But this match, this rematch at Yokohama was everything I really wanted that first match to be. I thought it was really a great match, especially considering Suzu at the top of the card. She's only 17. Um, she came out like a house of fire right during the intros, um, hitting Maya with a, a German suplex. But Maya came back. She had a lot of really tough, mean-looking offense. She, at one point, was elbowing Suzu in the, in the back of the head, uh, which looked really brutal. They both really sold. It went 23-29, so nearly 25 minutes. Uh, they both sold exhaustion near the end. I thought they had a lot of nice little touches through the match. Uh, Maya, at one point, had... Um, hurt her leg. So she put Suzu in a submission and then you could see her as she was in the submission, sort of trying to get her leg, you know, back in shape, which I really liked a lot of really good close near falls, one or two that I definitely bought into and my heart sort of wept, Uh, but it ended with Suzu as I originally thought many months ago when this match was originally announced, beating my, and becoming the brand new ice infinity champion definitely another match to check out i went four and a quarter stars thought it was really good and like i said overall a really strong show the undercard was really really fun easy to get through and then a lot of title matches a lot of different style title matches you had the grappling of the um, ww title you had the hardcore um, aspect of the fantast ice title you had the Ice Infinity, which was really a sort of a straight big time main event style match. So overall, I highly recommend it. You can check it out on the Ice Ribbon Nico Pro channel. I believe it's on demand for the next week or so. Um, But something to check out. A great show. A great – I was glad. You know, I was really bummed when they first – announced this show many months ago and then had to cancel it. I was bummed because I was really looking forward to it. So I was glad they were able to get back in the building before it closed, do the show and really send off the building with a bang.
2: All right. That's the Ice Ribbon Show. I'm going to check it out, but I guess we'll probably never talk about it again on this show. So, (laughs) Uh, all right, let's get into some news from the past couple of weeks. Uh, This one has had a ripple effect. Yuki Miyazaki tested positive for covid This led to a lot of shows being canceled, uh, the Wave shows on August 9th, 14th, and 16th, and the Oz Academy show on August 9th, uh, most notably, but also some other shows where wrestlers who've come in contact with her are not going to be able to appear on those shows.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest effect of these is that the Wave August 16th show was their and Hall show, which was supposed to be, uh, that was going to be Hiroe's retirement show, Um, So I'm not sure what's happening with that. Now it was also going to be the opening uh, round, I guess you would call it of the catch the wave tournament. Um, I guess we'll go right into this, that um, wave announced the catch the wave tournament sort of rules this week. It's going to be 18 competitors um, in two blocks of nine. It will be all uh, three way matches. We're not, entirely it's not entirely sure whether it's sort of a standard three-way match where the first person to get the pin wins or if it's sort of the they pin two opponents back to back to win like the future of stardom match was a few weeks ago not entirely sure yet but now that that first round has been delayed um we, we don't know when that will now happen. We don't know when they will announce who will be appearing in it. Obviously, with 18 wrestlers, there is going to be some outside people. I don't know if they wait for the, – the long and short of it is Wave really hasn't announced what the next steps are. Um, they did announce today or yesterday that everyone else in Wave did test negative – which is good. So at least that's sort of step one. So we'll see when they come back, what happens with Heroe's uh, retirement match, and then what happens with the Catch the Wave tournament.
2: All right, and a couple of wrestlers, I don't know if returning to Japan is, is the right uh, the right phrase, at least for one of them, but we know that Sare is uh, allowed to wrestle in Japan. Basically, she can't go over to the United States for WWE because of, you know, gestures wildly at everything. Uh, and she wants to work. So they've allowed her to work. The, the way the quote I read was translated was basically she can work anywhere she wants.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where she goes. Obviously they had the Mayu Iwatani Sari match announced many months ago that didn't end up happening. It'll be interesting to see if maybe that happens now that she's able to work Maybe she goes back to Diana, Um, possibly. Diana's been running those uh, shows that have been streaming on YouTube um, about every other week or every week or so. It'll be interesting to see if she goes back there, as that was her original promotion, or maybe that she goes somewhere that she hasn't really been before. Uh, It's sort of all up in the air, so it'll be interesting to see. It'll also be interesting to see how long – how long that lasts, you know, is that for the next month or two, or does that stretch into six months, or or what happens? It's sort of hard to say, sort of hard to know. Um, it is sort of interesting to find out that it, se- it seems to me from what this what this said that she's still planning on going, or the company's still planning on having her there. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You don't know. It's it's another one, sort of like Unimanase where you didn't really know where she could end up. She could end up in multiple places, just sort of touring around and doing, you know, certain sort of special matches, or she could sort of park herself somewhere and just hang out for however long she has until she can head to America.
2: It's interesting because it looks like Jiro uh, is like just not going to WWE anymore. It seems like that just that ended with COVID, and so I, I wonder if this is the first step. In Surrey not ending up in WWE or if it's just going to be a temporary thing
1: yeah I guess that was I guess we'll see how long sort of if you know it lasts a month if in a month she's still wrestling you could say well maybe she goes at the start of 2021 but if we get to a year from now if it's August of 2021 and she's still in Japan wrestling to me that might signal that WWE just says well it's easier just to you know It's just one person, just leave her, you know, and maybe they come back to her in two years or something. She is still very young, so it isn't like they have to get her over there now or else she'll be, you know, too old to wrestle for them. So they have time. It's not an emergency situation. But, yeah, the the Jiro situation is sort of a different thing. He hasn't talked about it, but he has seemed to be wrestling everywhere. He was announced for the Champion Carnival, the All Japan Champion Carnival this week. Um, So sort of two different... Fuse, I don't know what's happening, but I think we'll all find out together. Ooh, how exciting. Uh, another person
2: actually coming back to Japan, Kairi Hojo. Looks like her her time in WWE is over, and she's coming back to, to be with her husband who lives in Japan. And I think based on you know what I've read recently, Japanese nationals are able to return to the country. So she should, if she's not already in Japan, she should be on her way.
1: Yeah, and that's another – there was a hint dropped by Rossi at the uh, the press conference announcing the Yokohama shows, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, he had a picture with Yuna Manase, who, who wrestled in stardom many years ago, and he said something like, oh, we'll see who else uh, – I don't remember the exact language, but it was something like, oh, we'll see who else returns, um, sort of – seemed like a little tease that maybe Kairi Hojo may be appearing back in stardom. Although I'm not, that's another one. I'm not exactly sure there were reports that, you know, she didn't want to wrestle that she just wanted to go back to Japan to be there and, you know, retire, but, you know, retirements and wrestling are overrated. Uh, we've seen many that have not lasted very long or, you know, can be broken. So we'll see what happens, but an interesting time, Sari and Kairi Hojo, two really top talents who all of a sudden are sort of in the back in the world uh, and available for maybe someone to use and could be a boost to pretty much every Joshi company going right right now.
2: Boy, uh, th- those two or one of those two would really solve that issue I was talking about earlier with, uh, with Stardom not having top level talent. I mean, with someone like Sari, I mean, I would love to see her have that, that Mayu match. But she's kind of someone who was more of a freelancer, even though, you know, Diana was her home promotion. So I hope to see her jumping around. Kyrie, I think it's more likely if if she wrestles that it's, you know, back in stardom. So uh, that would certainly cover a lot of sense for uh, for stardom.
1: Yeah, it certainly would. I mean, bringing back a huge star who's been in the, you know, it would be a big return to stardom would, yes, would certainly help. But it would be interesting to see, you know, maybe she comes back and she says, I only want to, you know, I'm coming back, but I only want to wrestle for six more months. I'll wrestle and stardom for six months. And then, you know, to stardom, just sort of put her in special matches that are cool. Or do they put her a title on her and say, we'll figure it out in six months. So a lot up in the air.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there was a report at some point that she was going to go to Japan, wrestle for a year and then retire. I don't know where that came from, but it would kind of line up with everything that's gone on. If, if she just decides to come back for a short time and then hang it up. So, okay, well, let's move into the spark notes section of the show. This is just, you know, some notes about other shows that we're not going to go fully into. Which shows do you want to talk about, Taylor?
1: So, the first thing is Chaco Pro has uh, returned for the beginning of season three, season two ending a couple weeks ago, season three beginning last week. Uh, the beginnings of the seasons are always interesting because they're sort of setting up the pieces for what's going to happen down the road. Uh, They've had some interesting uh, new guests, Makoto, uh, another return going to Choco Pro, not a return to Choco Pro, but, you know, worked with Emi Sakura for many years. Uh, They had Kaori Yonayama come back again. Antonio Honda reappeared after many, at this point, many months away from the promotion. They're currently building to, Uh, On August 17th, Emi Sakura is celebrating her 25th anniversary in wrestling. We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about the upcoming shows, but that's sort of the big event they're building to now. Uh, Wave had the show on August 1st. That was the show where all the stuff with um, Yuki went down. Um, It was a fun show, not essential to watch. They had a Hero A gauntlet match in the main event, which was really, I think, the show was only three matches. That was really the match to check out if you want to check out that show. That was that was on Nico. I'm not sure if it still is. It may still be. Uh, Gake Pro had a show. It was Miyako Matsumoto and Chris Brooks against Drew Parker and Rina Yamashita. Like all the Gake Pro shows that have happened this year, uh, a wild time, lots going on. Uh, re- different wrestlers appearing chinsuke nakamura appeared uh, lingerie Mudo made an appearance um, matsumoto got hit in the head with a with a watermelon uh, so lots going on that's on DDT on wrestle universe i should say not ddt universe uh, and definitely worth checking out it only goes about the whole video is only about 45 minutes so a definite fun sort of out of the box match to watch Diana streamed another show on August 2nd. They are building towards the upcoming title match between Ayako Sato and Asuka. So that's really where their focus is. Sendai Girls, the last Joshi promotion to return, also returned on August 2nd. They had a six-person tag main event uh, featuring the stars of the promotion and some of the rookies. Not really another show, not much to write home about. It's on their YouTube, but it's a quick, easy show to get through. Actress Girls, another show on August 2nd. Lots going on on August 2nd. Uh, A quick show, only three matches, but a really fun main event with Miyuki Takase and Tehanma teaming in a tag team match. Uh, That is worth checking out. That is on Nico Pro for, I think, another week or so. Definitely worth checking out. I really enjoyed the main event. Uh, Pure J has a show. By the time this airs, it will have happened. Um, it's happening on the tenth at eleven thirty in the morning, which means it will happen around midnight Eastern for all of us. That's highlighted by Makoto and Moeka Haruhi versus Hanako Nakamori and Rina Yamashita for the Pure J tag titles. Um, so another big title match in Pure J after they had the Pure J title match between Hanako Nakamori and Leon a few weeks ago. And then, Aaron, do you have anything to run down? I know that we talked about them, sort of talked about them last show, but do you have anything to say about sort of the last few prior to five-star Grand Prix shows that aired for stardom? Did we talk about those on the last show? We sort of vaguely did. We talked about we talked about seven twenty-three, but seven twenty-four wasn't up yet except for the main event. And seven twenty-six, I think we only talked about one match. So if there's anything you have to say, say it now. Did we talk about the eight person tag from seven twenty four? We didn't. We didn't cause neither of us had seen it because it was not uploaded. Okay. Yet. Well then I'll
2: talk about that. Seven twenty four. Donna Del Mondo, Queen's Quest, eight person tag. Excellent match. Really good match. The, exactly what you want out of a multi-person tag. Um, I'm probably four flat on it. Very good. You should go watch it. That's the Nagoya show. 726, yeah, that's the Coriquan show. So uh, I think Stardom has had three Coriquan shows since we last recorded. <laughs> so uh, there was a lot of stuff that we didn't get to talk about. But a few matches I just wanted to either recommend or, or point out the um, – the news from them. So there was a Momo Watanabe-Mika match that I really enjoyed on that show. Uh, Azumi defeated Starlight Kid and Riho for the high-speed title. So that was, uh, you know, notable. And then the tag team titles, Utami Hashita and Sai Tani won those by defeating uh, Jungle Kiona and Konami. Those were vacant, of course, because B. Priestley and Jimmy Hayter can't get in the country. So uh, they were stripped of the titles. That's really all from those shows um, that you missed upcoming shows. We'll stick with stardom real quick. Uh, Of course, they got the, the August 15th five-star show that'll have Sai Kamitani versus death, Shuri versus Micah, Momo versus Utami and jungle Kiona versus Natsuko Tora. Good stuff there. And then the uh, August 22 show will also happen eh, right around the time we record again. Um, I'm not going to run down unless you want to, I don't, I'm not going to run down all these cards. Well, I just, I just want to, this is the, Oh, these are the Yokohama shows. We should, we should talk about these more, I guess. So Yokohama shows at Yokohama Budokan and they're going to do two nights in a row, August 22, August 23. These are non five-star shows. It's right in the middle of the five-star, but the matches are not tournament matches. Um, What are the, what matches do you want to focus on here, Taylor?
1: Well, I think the one undercard match I, I want to talk about because it stuck out to me, uh, and we talked about this briefly in between tapings, was Tom Nakino, Starlight Kid, and Riho versus Mima Shimoda, Yuna Manase, and Super Strong Stardom Machine. Um, I had sent this match to you, Aaron, and said, imagine going back one year in time and saying, this will be a match that happens in stardom. Uh, I think you would be very confused <laughs> As to what had happened. I mean, I think Riho a year ago at this time wasn't yet in stardom. Um, Mima Shimoda, I have associated in the past few years with Seedling. And obviously, there's a lot of history between Seedling and stardom. Uh, Yuna Manasse has been with Tokyo Joshi for so many years. And then you would probably say, Who the heck is super strong Stardom Machine? Um, because at that point, um, a year ago New J- or Bushy Road was not involved in stardom. So just an interesting sort of mix of people. Um sort of very unlike sort of a very un stardom match to bring in, you know, a, a masked character along with two people who, to my knowledge, are not roster members in Mima and Unamanase. Uh but that will sort of be interesting. And then of course near the top of the card. Uh, two title matches, and then, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Momo Watanabe against Julia—a big, a big singles match—right in the middle of the Five Star Grand Prix, but not part of the Five Star Grand Prix.
2: Right. Well, they're at least you know in different blocks, so that's not a match we would have gotten in the Five Star. Uh, but then I don't know. It's also—I don't know what they're doing with Momo. So she gets Julia on this night, and then an actual. Um, Or no, not a title match, even the next night. She gets Mayu the next night. So she just gets both title holders in non-title singles matches. So I'm curious to see what goes on. Also interesting that Riho is on these shows, but not in the five star. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to take from that, really. Um, We should also say that uh, Itsuki Hoshino, these will be, she's got a match on both nights and those will be her last two matches. Uh, She's retiring after that. Um Utami Hayashita versus himika That's what I've suggested could be the, the final for the five-star. I don't know if this pours cold water on that idea or they'll be able to do something to set it up here. I'm not sure which way that goes.
1: Yeah, and then the Future of Stardom title match, Micah and saya Matani, that will be good as sort of the two. You know, I thought during that three-way match, they had the, probably the two most likely people to win, so it'll be interesting to see them in a singles match. And then Mayu Iwatani versus Yuri. Uh, which I think could be maybe of both shows, maybe the match of both shows. I think that's fair. I mean, these
2: cards are stacked. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, even like a match that I'm excited about is Riho versus Natsu Sumire. <laughs> that's just like, that's kind of a, a bizarre match that I'm looking forward to. Um, another uh, or a high speed match with Azami and, and kid, the goddesses titles on the 23rd, Utami and Saya versus Himika and Mika, And then, uh, a, a rematch, Julia versus Tom Nakano for the for the white belt, and that'll be what the third time they've wrestled recently. Um.
1: Yeah. Yes. Where? Well, obviously, it's a rematch of the Korokin main event. What's the th- What's the third time? Um,
2: I don't know, but I want to say that they've wrestled three times.
1: But it is very close. So to I,
2: th- well, I th- guess they're also going to wrestle in the five star. Oh, that's a good point. And it's actually the, let's see, it'll be on the 13th. Yeah. So then on September 13th, they're going to wrestle again. That's the third one I'm thinking of.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that's, uh, you know, seems unlikely, but maybe that third match is a rubber match.
2: Yeah. But for that to happen, Tom would have to win the title (laughs) on the 23rd. So we will see. Uh, Seedling on August
1: 11th. I don't know what this show is going to, have they announced the new card? Um, Um, Not to my knowledge because they just, I think, yesterday announced because of the COVID stuff that a few people are off the card. Hiroyo Matsumoto, Miyuki Takase, Aoki Itsuki, and you are all off the show. Um, So they said that they were going to reshuffle the card, and I don't think they've published that new card yet. It's not a major show uh, for seedling. So they may just sort of move people around or maybe grab someone else. But, yes, so that's coming up in a few days. But it's sort of been thrown up in the air because of everything going on.
2: Tokyo Joshi Pro will have uh, the quarterfinals of the Tokyo Princess Cup on the 15th, the semifinals on the 16th. So we will definitely talk about on the next show, we'll talk about the semifinals and preview the finals. And then on August 22nd, they're having a, a show that does not involve the Princess Cup.
1: Yeah, so we'll be able to pre. We'll be able to talk about the finals and semifinals, and then talk about the finals and predict a winner.
2: Yeah, that's what I like. Uh, Ice Ribbon has a ton of shows coming up.
1: Yeah, so they have a week of shows at Ueno Park, which is an outdoor amphitheater in Tokyo. Um, on the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. On the twelfth, they're doing um, Ice Ribbon ten fifty eight and a Peas Party. On the 13th, they actually have three shows in a day, uh, noon, 3.30, and 7 o'clock, which are each show is produced by a different group of um, roster members based on when their birthday is. So the people whose birthdays are in January through March are producing the first show. April through June is the second show, and July through September is the third show. And then the following day, they wrap it up – on the 14th, with a noon show that is October through December birthdays, and then at four o'clock on the 14th is Splash Ribbon 2020, so those will be fun shows, Uh, Ueno Park shows, really regardless of the uh, promotion, are usually a lot of fun, it's very hot in Tokyo in August, so Often these shows involve a lot of water, as you could probably guess from the name Splash Ribbon 2020. (laughs) So these will be uh, fun. It'll I don't know if all of them or some of them or maybe one or two of them will make tape, but definitely a different feel having an outdoor um, sort of amphitheater venue as opposed to the usual wrestling venues that you see with all of these Joshi promotions.
2: Diana on the 16th, August 16th, is going to have Koro Ito versus Nanami, Kawasaki Rainbow Girl versus Haruka Umasaki, uh, Jaguar Yokota versus Ayoko Sato versus Madeline. So those are the the three matches uh, that we know on that show.
1: Yes, another show. I'm hoping that they've been streaming their shows on YouTube. They're very well put together. They're usually pretty short uh, endeavors, an hour to an hour and a half. So they are pretty fun and worth a watch. Actress Girls is going to have a, a Cora Hall show on the 14th. Yuna Manase will be there. Hikari Shimizu will be there. And Ami Miura will debut. Yeah, so another new talent. It's interesting to see Yuna Manase. Uh, we talked about her last show. Didn't know where she was going to end up. She's doing a uh, match for Stardom. She's doing a match for Actress Girls, two companies that she's worked with in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe she starts appearing more for one or the other or if she just continues to sort of make these one-offs at different companies, uh, sort of bigger shows, Cork and Hall, obviously for actress girls, a bigger show for them. And then
2: finally, Choco Pro, Emi Sakura's 25th anniversary show.
1: Yeah. So this is coming up on August 17th. Uh, It was just announced this week. It will be headlined by Emi Sakura versus Kaori Yonayama in a singles match. That will be big. Uh, Kaori and Emi have a, Long history in the wrestling business. They will also that show also already announced will have Lulu Pencil versus Tokiko Karihara, and a a um, three way tag match between Saki and Yuna Mizumori against Antonio Honda and Minoru Fujita, and also against Chris Brooks and Shota from DDT. So that match I'm sure will with Honda and Brooks and Shoda and Fujita in the match will probably get pretty crazy, but that will be, um, a big show will be on the Gato move YouTube. So definitely one to check out to celebrate Emmy Sakura's 25th year in the wrestling business. So next
2: episode, I imagine we'll be talking about the five-star, of course, those, uh, Yokohama shows we'll be talking about. Um, Tokyo Joshi Pro, The Princess Cup, and I don't know, maybe that Actress Girls Corquin show?
1: Yeah, to see if um, – I don't know if that will go up on Nico or if it will go up yeah. on their streaming service. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. Um, I haven't really gotten the rhythm yet of just because they just sort of started up again based on what they're going to put on their streaming service versus what they're going to put on something like Nico or some other place. Um, but we'll have to see. But, yeah, that would – you know if that's up and available we'll definitely cover that show we try
2: to hit basically any korikun show if, if we get a chance to so but obviously right now there's a ton of stardom and tokyo joshi pro happening and those are the biggest companies so we will be covering them okay i think that's it right i think that
1: covers it all yeah
2: okay well if you want to reach out to us find us on twitter at jbomb audio i'm at Aaron like the car taylor is at taymambo Uh, subscribe to the show give us a five-star rating and a review on the apple podcast app support the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio and go check out the VOW quiz night show with taylor where he gets a stardom question wrong shame (laughs) okay that's it for this week or for this episode see you everyone bye -bye.